to the Work Life Flow podcast, where we moms take the reins of our lives, explore our options, question the status quo, and demand more from society. Here we come together to tell our stories and share tears of frustration as well as tears of joy. But most importantly, we come together to inspire you to create a work life integration that works for you. So pour yourself your favorite beverage and come hang out with us. Welcome to the Work Life Flow podcast. We're 58 episodes in, and I'm excited about the new interview series rolling out now and so glad you're listening today. Now that women are slowly joining the workforce again, they're asking for more support, more flexibility, more dialogue, and they are rejecting the daily bias they face. So let's all pay attention to what they need and offer proper support. In these interview series, I will be interviewing women working in the corporate space, women who set out to make a big impact, be it through funding, be it through leadership training, or creating the right environment and support. So I had to ask myself, what's my contribution? And my contribution as an executive coach for high-achieving women in STEM careers is to help them reach their leadership goals while balancing career and family so that they can bring their best selves to all areas of life guilt-free. Because as women rise through the ranks, their lived experiences will inform and influence a more inclusive culture, I believe. It's about changing the work culture, one leader at a time. In this news, I currently have five openings for coaching. So book a strategy call with me today and find out how I can help you move forward in your career and leadership journey. You can find the link in the show notes. And now to today's episode. My guest, Michelle Fernandez, shares how her experience as a working mom led her to start her nonprofit called Working Moms Tribe. We chat about what changes moms need to see in the workplace, aside from flexibility, in order to feel well and be most productive. Michelle and I explore reasons why moms often are the last ones to invest in themselves. Lastly, she shares how her VIBE framework can help working moms create a life they love. We're talking about the importance of mental health initiatives and emotional intelligence in the workplace, about how employers can ensure the top talent stays with them, the kind of support working moms are looking for, that having a mom's village is key to being successful, how to build your family team and get support at home, and why moms still take on most of the mental load. Today, my guest is Michelle Fernandez, and she's the founder of Working Moms Tribe. After working for over a dozen professional-level positions for several high-profile global corporations, local government agencies, and consulting firms, Michelle finally recognized what kept compelling her to explore new roles. One reason was a pattern of work cultures that did not authentically value their employees. The bigger reason was a calling to use her gifts to serve a greater purpose, improving the experience for working moms collectively. Michelle started Working Moms Tribe to provide personal and professional growth to working moms. It started as a Facebook group that quickly drew in thousands of women. She recognized that though the members could benefit from personal and professional growth opportunities, many were reluctant to spend the time or money required. They did not feel worthy of the investment or did not prioritize themselves. Michelle also authored Untangled, a book to help women find clarity, confidence, and courage to move forward. 
So join me in welcoming Michelle today. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for coming on today. Hi, Kirsten. I'm glad to be on the show. Thank you for having me. I actually found you through that Facebook group that you started, and I love what you brought to the group. But would you like to elaborate a little bit? I always give my guests the chance to elaborate on their story. And because bios are sometimes, you know, we just try to synthesize a lot of information in a very short paragraph. So maybe do you want to, you know, elaborate on your journey to getting to Working Moms Drive? When I had my fourth baby back in, let's see, 2017, and I was coming back from maternity leave, I was required to come back 2018. You know, we couldn't work out a part-time arrangement or something that worked for both sides. So I ended up deciding to stay home with her a little bit longer. And during that time, I decided that I wanted to work for myself. So when I was taking business coaching, figuring out what I could do, they asked at the business coaching, like, what do people come to you for? And I said, well, a lot of other women asked me to help them get promoted or get um, new jobs. So I decided, okay, I'm going to help other women figure out how to navigate, you know, working motherhood, how to move up and around despite having children. So that's how I started. Now that's why I started that Facebook group. It was a group for other women who wanted to work and have a family to come together, share ideas, give each other tips on both being a mom as well as surviving and thriving in the workplace. But as a lot of um, moms started to join that group, I started to realize or recognize there are a lot of really successful professional women in this group. They were already at director, executive level. And I, I was thinking that the women that were joining were going to be earlier in their career and, and needing help. But I'm like, a lot of them don't seem like they need help. A lot of them seem like they're burnt out and they're taking a step back themselves. So that's, you know, I enjoyed learning that and supporting each other in that way. But it really shifted me to focus the attention on well, what can the employers and society do to help these ambitious, career-driven working women to be able to work in advance and still have a family. So it shifted a lot to working with employers to see what we can do to make the working experience a little easier or less resistant for these career-driven women. And so your focus shifted from offering coaching and professional and personal development solutions to the individuals to actually talking to employers. Yeah, I mean, I still create solutions for the working moms as the end users, but I really want the employers to get involved in providing it and endorsing it and encouraging them to take advantage of it, paying for it, giving them the time to take the classes or to utilize the coaching. So it's been slow or a little resistant to get that support, especially since COVID, a lot of the focus has been just on uh, response to COVID, but COVID also helped to recognize basic human needs and that women were the ones primarily leaving the workforce. So something did have to be done to address this disproportionate burden that falls on women, as well as just addressing the basic human needs that all employees have, especially women. I can so relate. I come from academia and my goal is similar. It was similar to yours, like changing corporate cultures and team cultures and it has to start at the top, right? Yes, you can work with individuals and they can change their group dynamic, their teams, but ultimately the culture is set at the top. And I think what has happened through COVID 
fortunately, or I think with the demographic that we attract, is that they actually have a choice of where to work. And with COVID, it has gotten more and more important for employers to put in programs into place to keep their top talent. Yeah, a lot of the most talented ones during COVID reflected on, is this what I really want to do? Is there something else I could be doing? And then options started to become available. So a lot of women continuously still now are looking at what else can I do? And there are, I, and recognizing that they have more options available to them. Remote and flexible work are the most obvious, but there are so many other opportunities and options that employers are making available now, which again, I think that's a great benefit that came out of COVID, but I, I still don't think that a lot of them recognize the deeper need or what's the word I'm looking for behind, you know, the working mom experience and the tightrope that they have to walk on every day. So again, we're making progress in that direction, but there's still, we still got a long way to go. So both excited and also looking for new and creative ways to, to help both sides really. What are some of the main issues or complaints that you hear from working moms? Yeah. Oh my goodness. A lot of it has to do with burnout and stress management and overwhelm and just, you know, not employers, well, both sides, family, employers, spouses, just not recognizing all of the demands or requests that are coming from various different directions. And each person thinks they're the only one and that their need is highest priority and needs to be addressed right away. And again, it becomes overwhelming for a woman to try to respond and prioritize all the different requests and demands and then still take care of herself and her family. There's just not enough time in a day to do it all. That's one thing I hear often. We can't do it all. Yes. And I'm a huge proponent of not doing it all. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> so during COVID, my focus shifted a little bit towards the parents, especially parents who suddenly had their kids at home and didn't know what to do. Like, how do I work with the kids at home? Then there is the school demands and we have to make that happen in the home and they have to sit on a computer. They sometimes were too young to even use a computer properly and they needed help. And so who does this? How can we make this work? And how can we establish routines, rhythms and boundaries that work for the family? So I, I try to focus on that a little bit more with the goal in mind to alleviate their worries, to alleviate the stress and really thinking about mental health and well-being and creating a family culture of support and trust. However, I had the same experience as you had. I found it really, really difficult to find women who really wanted to invest in themselves. So what is your take on why, why are women so difficult to convince that they are worthy of investing in themselves? Oh my goodness, yeah. We could spend hours discussing this, but... Yeah, it's like they recognize and they know that this is important, but it is just not the highest priority right now. It's it, They're like in firefighting mode, just putting out fires. And again, I, I do think it stems from not having the best skills at prioritizing and setting those boundaries. At the end of the day, for a lot of, at least for working moms, a lot of them don't I was about to say a lot of them don't work by choice, and that's not necessarily true. A lot of them would work even if they didn't have to. They get a lot of pride and 
fulfillment out of working. But a lot of the money dictates my employer is paying me. So that's who the priority goes to. I need to put food on my table is what I hear often. And so they are going to put extra time, hours, and effort into making the employer happy and making sure that employer's needs are met before her family's and her own. So I think that has a lot to do with it and just shifting and recognizing that, yes, the work is important, but so is my family. And if I'm not well enough and healthy enough to do the work, then we both miss out. So I don't think people think about it that way sometimes. And I think that the work culture, we have just gotten so accustomed to placing the priority on our employer's needs. But I think, again, I think COVID has helped with that and helped both sides to recognize that a better balance has to exist. It's still very skewed, I think, to the employer side. And don't get me wrong, we are all, as working moms, grateful for the opportunity to work, grateful for the opportunities and benefits that our employers provide. But when you when you sit and look and calculate the actual hours and time spent working versus spent with our family, it's still so skewed. So again, I, I think a lot of it comes down to who's paying me and feeling very indebted to that person. Mm-hmm. I can see that happen. One thing that came up for me now is, again, I think it, it points towards the culture, right? Because we know there is numbers, there's research on mental health and how much employers are actually spending on sick leave because of burnout, because of toxic workplace environments. So there are numbers. I think it is interesting to see how can we convince them, aside from the numbers that actually should speak for themselves, right? I come from the emotional intelligence background. So there is data that shows that if you're in fight or flight, or if you're triggered, if you feel uncertainty, anxiety, your prefrontal cortex is not connected and and you cannot think as well. It shows up in behaviors that are not less than desirable, right? So we know all that. How can we keep the conversation going now with COVID where it seems that it has gotten more front stage, right? It's like front and center that we need to change cultures. I do see it happening now, but I think it only is happening because employers are experiencing extreme turnover and they cannot no longer keep up with the amount of turnover. So like I have a few clients that we were starting to work on projects, work on training and focus group for um, working moms and, and their women employees. But then with this most recent Omicron surge, a lot of it, like they just had to address the employee shortages. A lot of employees were out, a lot of employees left for new roles. And so they just had to address, like the work had to get done and they had to make sure that the employees that were left did not leave or did not get completely overwhelmed. So they were also in firefighting mode and just trying to prevent further damage. But I think that this extreme scenario is helping them to realize and recognize we have to take care of our valuable resources, our assets, because we can't afford to operate at these 50% levels. But one other thing I was going to say is 
I think, you know, that data and the numbers, we just have to emphasize, like, if you have staff, even though you're fully staffed, if they're only 50% engaged because they are spread so thin, whether it be because of their workload, their family, whatever the case is, that's 50% potential revenue or 50% productivity loss. So just trying to illustrate that to them in as many ways as possible, um, I think will be a key in shifting that culture. I would like to come back to the notion of having very successful working moms, right? They are already maybe in managerial positions or executive. What is your thought process on why sometimes they still struggle to create this culture at home where it's collaborative, where it is possible to have difficult conversations and still get work done, right? What is your thought process around this? Why, why is there such a difference of how we behave and function in the workplace versus sometimes at home? I mean, are you referring to the distribution of duties and roles in, at the home as well? I am, because this is something that in working moms groups so often comes up, where you have very successful in the workspace, in the corporate space or in, in, in business, very successful moms. But then at home, they feel like they still have to carry the whole load. Yeah. Yeah. When you say that, there are very specific women I can think of that you would never know or you would never think because of how successful they appear in the workplace, how disproportionate their burden is at home. So a lot of that has to do with the culture and the families that they were raised in. A lot of them came from cultures where the women didn't work and the men were the breadwinners and that they were who left the home and made the money. But it's shifted, yet that mindset or that mentality hasn't shifted. So they gladly accept that the woman is now contributing. And depending where you live, it's it's not really an option. If there's two incomes, if that's an option, it's required in a lot of cities like the city we live in. But despite that, if they were raised in a culture that the women, it was the women's responsibility to take care of the home and kids. They carry that with them and nobody challenged it. And if it's working, that's what they continue. And unless the woman speaks up and pushes back and illustrates a schedule or boundaries, it will continue. I can see that there is a lag of if you're coming from a family that where the mom didn't work, I can see that. But I even see that in families where the moms were working and I like to reframe it often for my clients to really giving others an opportunity to help, right? Like you need boundaries in place. Yes, you need to set expectations. And one way that I like to do it is it is with family meetings. And we actually even give our kids a voice and choice. And we try to cover, you know, all our needs. We, we list them out. We, we say what we want and need to do. And then we try to make it happen. We look at the support that just like, if you were leading another team, right, you would look at who is the best person for what and, and how, what does a job done look like, uh, set expectations, set accountability goals, and look at strengths and challenges. So we, we really like to balance that out. And I think if we reframe it this way as not so much like pushing back and, and setting boundaries, but more as offering an opportunity to step up for others, 
I think culturally, there's a lot we need to do still. Yeah, I mean, that makes complete sense to leverage the strengths of each member and to give every opportunity a voice. I mean, sorry, every family member a voice and an opportunity to contribute. I'm just curious, is there any age for the children that that starts or can do you encourage it at all ages? So we started at age four. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, you know, it is, you can start at any age, really. I guess it, it is a, is a matter of, you know, where are your kids at and how will they react to if you suddenly have meetings, right? Um, so it is really about presenting a safe space for them and saying, hey, we want to hear from you. We want your input. And then seeing how we can, you know, you, you need to use team language to. Right. Yeah, I've seen you ask questions in our, our Facebook group and that pretty much point in that direction. And I don't think that a lot of them, us, <laughs> think about it in that perspective yet. I think it's just not a solution that it's not familiar to us yet. And it's a great one. So it's definitely a great tool to try. But again, I think it's just not one that we've been introduced to before. So it's one of those things that takes practice. And I'm sure you get good at it and learn which communication styles and and everything else works best for your family. Yeah, I th- it's definitely something to practice and it doesn't always have to be the whole family at once, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it in, a, in that sense because it creates this space and time where you bring things up. Like we, we talk about if our rhythms have been derailed too much, for example, and it's affecting me. Um, I can say, hey, I'm feeling anxious about this because I'm not getting my work hours in, for example. I need to set my schedule again. How can we fit it in our puzzle? We do homeschool, so it's a little different. And my kids set their goals for homeschooling, for example. So they get to explore what they want to learn and then set goals for it. But anybody can do this for sure. Yeah, I mean, just generally communication is also an area that a lot of people struggle with and that again, is a great tool to try to open up the lines of communication between the different members that are participating. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think this is something that in some marriages, once you have kids, that communication sometimes gets, especially if both are working, it's more like a lot of shift parenting. It's more like handoff, like now you're responsible for them than I am. And so you really have to consciously create those moments of, of communication and that actually segues into my my next, it's not really a question, but, but what I found interesting in one interview, for example, I was saying that school communications, that, you know, they come to me. And it is actually sometimes it's the schools <laughs> that talk to moms more than partners or, or husbands or spouses. And so I think we have to make that apparent that we want to have both on a, on the communications list and to open up some of the questions like, who is responsible for this craft or who is responsible for pickup or after school, right? It doesn't not necessarily always have to be the mom. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree. And my husband's great with it. Like, I think more of the teachers at our kids' school know my husband more because he does picks up and drop offs more than I do. But um, I think it goes back to both parties being open and establishing that, hey, we both have a role here, an equal role, or or if you define what it is your 
on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I'm on Tuesday, Thursday, or whatever the arrangement is. But I think it needs to be discussed and agreed upon, whatever that arrangement will be. Yeah. And again, thinking about strength, right? Mm-hmm. For example, I love cooking, so I cook mostly. Um, so I, I think we really have to think about asking for help also as an opportunity that we give to others to feel useful and valued. One of the other coaches in the group, she focuses on the, what is it, strength finders. And she was, she introduced to me doing it with your family and having your spouse and your older children taking that strength assessment. And I had taken it at employers several times, but I never thought about taking that strength assessment at home and learning each other's strengths and leveraging them at home. So that was an eye opener for me. Yeah, it's always good to know who your players are. (laughs) So let's come back to your group, to the Working Moms Tribe. What is your vision for it? and, And what are the next steps of you moving forward? Yeah, so since it started, it has shifted. It was a corporation when it started. And last year, we transitioned to a nonprofit. And my hope is that by transitioning to a nonprofit, we can take advantage of grants and sponsorships available to create um, more programs for the working moms as well as for employers and to expand the reach to reach for that message to reach more employers to start working and partnering together to provide that support directly to working moms. So I have this vision that eventually every major city will have their own little chapter of Working Moms Tribe and women can locally get that support if needed. I want to open small little offices, co-working space where women can come to work. They could be energized and supported by each other and provide each other with personal professional growth supported encouragement, as well as working with their employers, and then maybe even childcare. So those are all real long-term, but I like to dream big. And that's one of the things in Working Moms Tribe. I always encourage women to dream big for themselves. Again, our main program that I'm working on, it's vision, identity, balance, and energy. I feel those are the four areas that women lose sight of when they become mothers. So those are the four areas that I really try to develop for working moms and to get employers to support. So continuing to build out that signature series as well as get it out in front of as many employers and working moms as possible. In case somebody's listening who does want to invest or sponsor, how can they find you or what are you in need of right now? So we have an event coming on March 12th, a lot of effort is being focused on that. So there's four events this year. The first one is focused on vision. So we're doing vision boards together and speaking, having a discussion about it. Um, The next one will be on identity and how to help working moms find their identity and to support it. And then the last two later in the year are going to be on balance and energy. So we are looking for funding to be able to put on all four of those events. And for women who aren't able to purchase their own tickets or are a little reluctant to invest in themselves, we are hoping that grants and sponsorships will be available to support um, those women who'd like to attend. But again, just the venues, um, the time it takes to create the programs, all of the details, name badges, the materials and supplies for all of those events. Um, We are charging for some of the programs as well. So we will make some earned income 
to support some of the programs. But the hope is that a lot of grants and sponsorship will fund a lot of these things so that little to no cost will come out of the working mom's pockets. Is there any way for employers to sponsor them? Probably as well. Yeah. So if you go to workingmomstribe.org, there is a tab for sponsors and pledges. So there's different routes that, that employers can su provide that support as well as donors or if it's an organization that does have a grant. A lot of grants have very specific objectives and depending on if it has to do with women, with parent support, with equality, diversity, and inclusion, we may be able to craft a program to meet the needs of that grant and hopefully the needs of the working moms as well. Very nice. I'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes so that it's easy for them to find. Thanks so much for coming on. I think it was wonderful to hear how Working Moms Tribe came to happen and, and all the energy and effort you put into this. Yeah, it's a very, very good program. Thank yeah. You. And in a way, like we, we have a long way to go, but I'm grateful for the progress that, that COVID has helped as, as devastating as COVID has been for us. I think it's brought a lot of opportunity. So I'm excited to see what this next year brings for us. Yeah, absolutely. COVID has turned our world upside down, huh? <laughs> yeah, a lot of refocus, I think, and a lot of going inwards and, and really looking deeper at what we, what we really want. Right, what's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Work-Life Flow. As always, you can find all links and websites mentioned in the show notes. Make sure to get your copy of the four must-have checklists for kids so you can sit back and relax while they are getting ready on their own at kerstinkirchsteiger.com. That is www.kerstinkirchsteiger.com. And remember, keep being brave and share your story.